You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, we're in the middle of a series called Refreshed. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it's even, uh, well, let me say it like this. Sometimes we may feel like, is it even appropriate right now to be talking about something so encouraging as the word refreshed or refreshing. Uh, this morning, refreshing joy is the uh, topic I'm going to be discussing. Uh, and I believe it is because, because refreshment is something that is available to us because of Jesus, because of his word. We can have personal revival in his presence through the worst of times. He is sovereign. He is in control. And so we're trying to encourage our church family. And I can't think of any way to encourage you more than to take a few moments this morning to talk about something that has revolutionized, changed my life, and everybody who comes in contact with real, refreshing joy understands what I'm talking about. And I want to help you this morning with God's Word being our our anchor, our foundation. The book of Proverbs is an amazing book. It has always been one of my favorites. I've read it so many, probably more than any other book in the Bible I've read through the book of Proverbs. It's convenient in the sense that there's a chapter almost for every day. So that's kind of a nice pattern to follow. But Proverbs is, a, is, a, is an amazing, powerful book. It takes us through a journey of principles, of wisdom, of understanding, of knowledge in God's Word. But what is the point of Proverbs? I can't think of any better way than to take you through this encouraging, very enlightening video, three minutes and 36 seconds of the point of Proverbs. Take a moment. It'll, it'll get you. It'll, it'll put you in a place where you're ready to listen. So take a moment and let's be introduced to Proverbs this morning because that's where all of our verses are coming from as we discover refreshing joy. told to let God's wisdom define what is wrong and what is right, to trust wisdom's voice, to listen to wisdom's words so that thereby they too would become wise. Through wisdom, they would live with God and eat from the tree of life. But there was another voice in the garden by the tree of knowledge that did not speak wisdom, but spoke lies. It was the voice of the serpent that called the gardeners aside and taught them to question the voice of wisdom, taught them to listen to their own truth, to define their own versions of wrong and right. And this 
was the voice of sin, the voice of the enemy. This was the voice of Lady Folly. Adam and Eve turned their backs on God, on wisdom, and therefore on life. They turned toward folly, toward sin, which opened up the door for them to die. So they were separated from God, who is the source of life. They were separated from the tree that would keep them alive. The point of Proverbs, then, is to get us back in to the garden, back to life, back to Eden. And Proverbs does this by trying to teach us to listen to the voice of Lady Wisdom. And the primary way Proverbs seeks to tune our ears to wisdom's voice and open our eyes is with short, simple sayings that play out God's wisdom in everyday life so that we can see in everyday things what God's ways look like. And what they look like is life. What they look like is vitality. What it looks like to be wise is to have joy, favor, and immortality. What it looks like to live with wisdom is to be back in the Garden of Eden. Which is why in Proverbs, Lady Wisdom is not just giving good advice. She is leading those who will listen to the Tree of Life. But along for just a moment, the contrast, the contrast of wisdom versus folly, of truth versus a lie. In the book of Proverbs, as was stated so eloquently in that very powerful video, is it leads us back to God, back to his purpose for our lives, back to his original plan there in the garden. And so these short, simple sayings, and that's what they are, they give us wisdom. They give us knowledge. They give us an understanding that God has preserved these sayings in his word for a purpose. And there's, there's many of them. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 4, we're told that Solomon gave over 3,000 of these. And yet we find 500 of them in this book called Proverbs. So it's an amazing book in Scripture. And my focus this morning is for us to look at one of those, very specifically one of those Proverbs. But before we do, I want to read you a few Proverbs. So let's begin, if you would please, with me in Proverbs 12, 25, where Scripture says that anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13, 14 and 15, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. But the mouth of fools, well, they feed on folly. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But the cheerful of heart, well, they have a continual feast. And then here is our text verse in Proverbs, our, our ultimate proverb this morning, that where we find this refreshing joy, we're going to use this as a springboard to all the other truths a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. 
You know, there's a lot of famous clinics in our country today. Mayo Clinic, Scott and White Clinic. Uh, I'm thankful today for uh, some of the places that my wife and I found good medical help when she was very sick. There's a clinic down in New Orleans called Oshner Clinic. And Oshner's is a world-renowned hospital, a place where a lot of great, renowned doctors have practiced and uh, still today, amazing place, Oshner's. The doctor named John Schindler, back in the 50s, in fact, as I studied this doctor and something he had studied for many years as, a, uh, as, as an introduction to the message this morning, I found that he, he did. He died in a car accident about seven years uh, past this particular presentation that he made at Oshner's clinic. And it was on this particular thought of E-I-I, he called it, Schindler coined it, he, he called it, they don't call it this anymore, they call it you know, psychosomatic therapy and other things, but back then it was emotionally induced illness. It talked about a sickness that many people had that was induced by wrong emotions, a mental health type of a situation that very possibly was causing people to be physically ill as a result of their emotions. And 50% of the patients that were seen by physicians in Dr. Schindler's study had at least suffered in some way by emotionally induced illness. Some people would have been offended and probably still would if they were told the only reason you have this issue is because of this. Nevertheless, he pursued this study and he actually did a, a, uh, a test at Oshner's clinic with 500 consecutive patients. And it was very interesting. They all had gastrointestinal issues. And he came up with this statistic, that 74% of all the patients who had some sort of gastrointestinal issue, it was connected to what he called an emotionally induced illness at some point. Pain or stiffness in the neck, 75%. Pain in the stomach, 50%. Gas and bloating, at least a certain reason for that would have been traced back to this 99%. Wow. Dizziness and headaches, 80%. Tiredness, 90%. And so I asked my wife, Caroline, if she would come because she suffered from a problem in her colon. It was a gastrointestinal issue for many years. And through the process of God, healing her and speaking to her and working in her life, a lot of medicines, a lot of doctors, a lot of hospitals, a lot of, lot of, lot of finances. But I'll tell you, the most encouraging thing is connected to this sermon this morning, things that God taught her through this. And I wanted to take about three, four minutes and share a little word of testimony. I couldn't preach a message like this without Carol Ann having this opportunity, so I asked her to do it for me. Well, I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for this opportunity. Uh, is it on? Okay. And um, it starts back when I was 16. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And back then, as a high school student, I was very <clears throat> intense about getting straight A's. I come from Japanese culture, which is very high academics. You push yourself. That's my culture. Then along with some religious background I come from, it's a lot of strive hard, do right, be perfect. And that was my goal. I got sick at a young age of 16. Um, going on from there, I had it for 26 years. And at that time, 
um, I ended up in the hospital at age 40, uh, near death, and the doctors were just super like, what's going on with you? And one of the doctors I went to was a holistic doctor, and they asked, he asked me, he said, you are way too sick for a 40-year-old woman. He goes, do you have any unforgiveness in your life? That was a weird question, right? But it never left me. At that point, um, God chose through his word and different things. He brought me back to life miraculously. I'm a miracle. And through it, though, he has been teaching me the last 16 years what it is to not be doing, 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 trying to be perfect, and all these things I used to do in my life because I thought I was pleasing God. I had the right intention, but I was doing it the wrong way. While I was in the hospital, he told me, honey, I don't need you to do all that for me. I want you to know who I am. Because once you know who I am, you'll still do some of those things, but you're going to do it with a different thing. So I had learned to suppress things. I learned to pretend like I was okay all the time and just held it down, held it down. And when it would be really bad, the stress was bad, anxiety was bad, I would get very sick, very sick in the hospital, getting blood transfusions, etc. Through all that, the Lord has taught me that many things that I had dealt with, yes, there were some issues in my stomach, yes, I had some sickness in me, but I could bring it on a lot worse by the way I thought and by the way I chose to think about things. He showed me while I was in the hospital about praising God, and he showed me that I could pour out my heart to him. I'd never done that before. I thought he wanted me to be all perfect and right. He wanted me to pour out my heart to him. David, he was distressed. He was overwhelmed. He was sought after. He lost friendships. His mother and father forsook him. He went through a lot of struggles. But in the end, he always ended up in praise to God. And I told God at that point, I said, all right, I don't know what that means in my life, how that looks, but I want to praise you. It brings me to the fact of in Philippians 4, I've been doing a Bible study on that and how to have the right mental things and how to, to think on the right things. And those right things, it's Jesus. It's Jesus and his goodness we sing about it. And the more I focus on his goodness, even though I'm in the midst of a storm, or the more I focus on the goodness of him, I realize I, I'm going to be fine, and I have more peace. Um, suppression of things I've always felt, no, not have always felt, for the last five years, I have felt like many of our sicknesses we bring upon ourselves migraines, high blood pressure, stomach issues. I didn't know this Oshner study guy had done that. I'm like, are you kidding me? I didn't know that. So I have to look that article up. But literally, I have been saying that because I knew myself. I had brought myself into so many places, and I can feel it. Through all that, though, God has given me um, great mercy and great um, joy in the fact that through Gloria and Joy Capace, her name is Glory and Joy, the verse there, it says, for you are our glory and joy. And we named her for that. But to be honest, after having her, 
I was saying, God, she ain't bringing you glory, and she ain't bringing me joy. It was so hard. I'm like, ugh. And again, I was trying to suppress all these feelings. I've got this. God, you're going to help me do this. I can be a good mom. I can do this. She special needs. I can do this. I can do this. For 10 years, I tried doing it. And I was in a bad place again. And that's where I was with, um, at 40. And God told me, you can't do this, but I can. And so... That's what she. Glory in has become, like Paul said it to the church at Thessalonica. He said to those people, "You are my glory and joy." Glory in has become our glory and joy. And can I say one thing about that? Her name. Yeah. Joy. She brings joy to so many people. I've heard that statement. Yeah. When you, after you said that, I'm like, I asked. I'm going to actually use her as an illustration. You're oh, going to okay. be proud of me. All right, good. Isn't that great? Can you give her a hand? Did you do good? Wow. Way to go, honey. So, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know uh, much past the, the article that I read from Dr. Schindler that spoke about this EII, but I do know something about the Word of God. So, if Dr. Schindler did, a, did some sort of a test on EII. I'm going to do one this morning on BMM, the Bible's Miracle Medicine. Amen? And I want you to look in Scripture with me and see it here because Proverbs 17, 22 is true. A joyful heart is good medicine. And a joyless Christian is a contradiction in terms. We desperately need to understand this joy that is available through Jesus and because of Jesus to all of us. So let's look at three ways to refresh our joy. If this is really refreshing joy, let's be refreshed by it this morning. But the first thing we've got to do is identify why we don't have it. And so number one, I want you to recognize the anxiety of a heavy heart. I think my wife spoke to that just a moment ago. There are many things that make us heavy. Listen, ulcerative colitis was a very heavy, uh, uh, you know, uh, painful disease. It really was. There was a lot of hard things that came along with that. Pain is inevitable. The Bible says that man's days are few and full of trouble, right? Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. And I think sometimes we choose misery. We just choose to be miserable over the situation that we are in. Notice Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 25, as we examine this anxiety of a heavy heart, it says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. It makes him stoop. And that simply means that it burdens the soul. It's like being bogged down with trouble. It's like being bent over emotionally. It seems as if people who have anxiety, it affects even their posture. It definitely affects their countenance because there's so many people that are carrying burdens, they're carrying heartaches and carrying griefs that they do not need to carry. You've heard the old story, I'm sure. If you haven't, I know you'll enjoy it. It's, uh, you know, the, the, you could tell it a lot of different ways. Uh, let's just consider it maybe a man uh, on a tractor. Uh, you know, he's on his farm, right? And he's got a wagon and he's going down a dirt road. He sees a gentleman on the side of the road. Uh, carrying a sack of grain. And he determines, you know, well, you know, I, I've got room here. I'll just give him a ride. So he pulls over and says, hey, why don't you hop in and, 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 and ride with me? I'll take you where you need to go. After a few moments of being together there, 
he recognized that he was still carrying that grain on his back. And he just stopped and said, sir, you know, set the grain down. You don't need to carry that. Oh, no. No, it's enough for me to ask you to carry me. I could not ask you to carry this grain. It reminds me of many believers who have trusted Christ to carry them to heaven, but have not trusted Christ to carry their burdens down here on earth. You see, how many have trusted Jesus to save them, but they haven't trusted Jesus to carry their load. And Scripture teaches us in Psalm chapter 55 and verse number 22, and I love this passage, cast your burdens on the Lord, He will sustain you. Cast them on the Lord. That's what He is there for. He is he's desiring for us to do that. He wants to carry our load. And so we see, first of all, the anxiety that burdens the soul. Secondly, we see anxiety breaks the spirit. We see it in a very simple proverb. It will be the negative side, the lie side, the serpent side. Here it is, Proverbs 15, 13. By sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Wow. Boy, God's word doesn't really mince words, does it? It just tells it like it is. You ever seen someone whose spirit is just crushed? Have you ever witnessed someone come in contact with someone who has a broken spirit? You see, the spirit is the innermost part of a person. The Bible describes it maybe as the wellspring of life. And if you think someone who is burdened in soul is bad, you need to meet someone who is broken in spirit because that's the next step. If you don't do something about the anxiety that burdens your soul, surely next will be it will break your spirit. And if you've ever seen someone who has a broken spirit, you'll notice something about them. Their zest is gone. Their enthusiasm has withered. Their zeal is gone. Their spark is gone. The light has gone out of their eyes. They're just existing. And it seems that so many believers, so many people, again, who have trusted Christ for salvation, are now living the rest of their life with, without this zeal and enthusiasm and, and zest for life. Because anxiety has burdened their soul. Anxiety, worry, has broken their spirit. And thirdly, and we'll see again in Proverbs, the serpent side, the folly side of things, anxiety has buried the body. It's begun to affect their health. Notice with me, if you would please, in Proverbs 17, 22, look again there, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You see, the soul affects the spirit, and the spirit affects the body, and the body begins to decay, literally decay. And I, I was watching, just for, again, for sake of example, I was watching my wife wither away. She was down to 80 pounds. She was just, uh, just a, a, a portion of the person I had married. Physically, she was dying. And it affected her body. Literally, a heavy heart and a broken spirit can make you sick. And we could rightfully, potentially, partially even interpret this verse as it, death can come prematurely to someone. When anxiety is burdening their soul, breaking their spirit, and burying their body. Not because of the hardening of the arteries, but because of the hardening of the attitude. And so our entire body can be effectness, sickness, and worry, and anger, and hatred, and self-pity, and, and, and guilt, and stress can be brought on by a, don't miss this, 
a lack of joy. A lack of joy. Oh, listen. Recently, my wife, uh, not long ago, maybe a year ago, she had come across some kind of article, and, 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 and she said, I'm going to try. She, it, was, it was basically get, you know, a, a bowl of rice or get a plant, a flower, and, and put them in the same house, in the same environment, in the same place, and, and, and speak to them negatively, speak to one negatively, curse one, be negative to one, say ugly things to one, and then go to the other one and just be nice and kind and sweet and loving and caring and talk with a voice that, that has zest and enthusiasm and love. So for days she did this, and we watched before our very eyes, all of our family watched as this one withered away and this one came to life. We watched that bowl of rice become stinky and ugly and disgusting to where we had to throw it away, and this bowl of rice not affected at all. I, I tell Glorianne all the time. I tell her a hundred times a day if I'm with her, you're beautiful. Who's the best, Glorianne? Who's the best? Me. Who's beautiful? Me. Who's my best friend? Me. I mean, I just do it all the time. All the time. And I think that may be partly why Glorianne is a happy person. She is joyous. She's always smiling because she has someone pouring life into her body, her broken body. They, they, I read an article not long ago about uh, an orphanages, uh, two orphanages where they had put children in the same type of house, the same as far as the, the air condition, as far as the beds, as far as the walls, as far as the paint, exactly the same. But just one staff was mean and ugly and unkind and impatient. And the other staff had a leader who bred joy and peace and love into this orphanage. They went back two years later and discovered that on average, the kids in the house where there was joyous leadership, the kids grew two inches taller on average than the kids in this house. Same environment. What was the difference? Oh, listen to me. I'm saying to you today, there's the anxiety of a heavy heart. Secondly, though, there's, there's an answer for this. God's Word has the answer. That's what I like about the book of Proverbs is we read this very hardening statement and it's, it's, it's very, it's crushing and it's like, whoa, that's, that's scary. But then right next to it is the answer. And so we see the answer for a healthy heart. God has given us something here. In Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22, it's called a good medicine, a joyful heart. It's medicine for the soul. It's medicine for the spirit. It's medicine for the body. Now, this is not just talking about having a good time, going to Magic Springs, you know. This isn't just about, you know, uh, you know laughing, cutting up, being sarcastic, having a good time, you know, make it, telling a joke. I mean, those are good things, and sometimes those can bring happiness, if you will, or even joy at times. But that's not what it's talking about. Not joking, not fun and games. This particular joy that we're talking about here is a deep, abiding joy. It's the answer for a healthy heart. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of the past. In fact, some would say he was the greatest preacher of all time. He had been preaching and after a service where there was laughter and joy and jokes and a fun time. A lady came up to him upset, and she said, Mr. Spurgeon, I've just about had enough of your laughter in church, and uh, we're in the house of God. 
And she criticized him. By the way, you, you, you know that is true. Sometimes pre- people think, even preachers think, that, you know, we've got to just be somber the whole time and talk like we've got a steeple stuck in our throats. You know. I mean, we talk differently everywhere else until we stand on this platform. Then we your brothers and sisters, let me. And so she said, Mr. Spurgeon, I'm just tired of you having so much fun in the pulpit. And he looked at her and he said, ma'am, You'd really be upset with me if you see everything I'm leaving out. (laughs) In other words, I'm not saying having as much fun as I would like to have. Can I tell you something? The church house is a place that there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in... Sorry, Jordan, I ruined that song. But anyway, (laughs) I tried, you know. Jordan won't even look at me. He's like, oh, Lord, preacher, oh, oh, help it. I get excited sometimes. I'm sitting there thinking, hey, I watched the video. Jordan puts out these YouTube videos, you know, to watch. I, I watch the video. I actually do, Jordan. I, I listen to the music way before you do it. Hey, that's the greatest video. All these guys are dancing, and they're just, you know, shouting and singing. And it, it's an awesome video. You got to go watch it. Just put the house of the Lord video. It'll just come up and you'll get to watch. I think it's Phil Wickham. I can't remember. But anyway, he's dancing and singing. I'm thinking, man, that, that is true. There ought to be joy in the house of the Lord today. Amen. And so this joy, this answer for a healthy heart, can I give you the key verse to it all? It's John 15, 11. We've already read it once. Let's read it again. John 15, 11 says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Here is Jesus facing the cross. An inevitable situation, a a very hard situation, facing the cross, going to die for mankind. And he says, these things have I spoken unto you that, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Why? Because the life of a Christian should be a life of joy. Continuous joy. Contagious joy. And this joy is not inevitable. It is optional. It is. That's why Jesus is talking about it. That's why Jesus is saying, hey, wait a minute. I've given you this joy. But you must receive it. So many are looking for joy in the wrong place. Where can we find this joy? Number one, we can find this joy because it's supernatural in its source. The place to find this joy is in Jesus. Notice in John 15, 11 again, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy, Jesus says my joy, not, not your joy, not Eric's joy, but Jesus's joy. Not joy like his, his joy. This is the joy of the Lord. The life of Jesus was a life of supernatural joy. Children loved being around Jesus. I love the scene in the series on The Chosen. I know many of you have seen the first or maybe the second series, but I, I, I like the first where Jesus is uh, pictured by a fire. Have you seen this one? And the two kids are coming up and they're behind the little rock and they're like, there he is, there he is, you know. And Jesus, of course, he picks up on it, right? And so the kids are over there and he starts playing like he doesn't know they're there. It's the cool, I mean, just gives me goosebumps thinking about it because Jesus was so cool. He was so fun. And he draws these kids in, and these kids start talking to Jesus and playing with Jesus, having a good time with Jesus. And he just talks with them and shares with them. He was the life of the party. Trust me, at the wedding feast, 
at Cana there. I guarantee you Jesus was there. He brought joy. He brought some laughter. Jesus had a wonderful time. He is the supernatural source of all joy. Jesus is. In John chapter 17 and verse number 3, here's what he said. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. My joy. Jesus' joy. I came so that you might have this joy, Jesus said, fulfilled in you. Joy is literally the nature of Jesus Christ in us. It's amazing. It's the nature of Christ in us. He came to give us this joy to be fulfilled in us. Wow. And when this joy is understood to be supernatural in, his, in its source, when we understand this joy comes from Jesus, then secondly, this joy will be steadfast in its strength. Notice it says in John 15, 11 again, it says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might, what? Remain in you. It's not going anywhere. This joy is strong. Listen, my wife took some seriously strong medicine when she was sick. I mean, medicine that changed the way she acted, changed the way she looked. That prednisone, woo, man, that's some tough stuff. I mean, that's strong stuff. I mean, she, she'd hate to take it, too, because, you know, her cheeks would get puffy. I like kissing puffy cheeks, though. It was, it was great, you know. I didn't complain. It's fine to me, you know. I like kissing puffy cheeks. But it did affect her body, and it affected her cheek. It's strong medicine. That stuff's strong. A lot of strong medicines. My son had... Strep throat this past week. Oh, Mo, he said, he called me up and said, Dad, dude, man, I got a couple of shots. I will not tell you where, but you know where it was because I can't tell you where it was. So, you know, he got those shots. It was increasing. Dad, it, woo, Dad, it was strong. I mean, I got that shot and it was like, whoa. I mean, I was better just to, see, like an hour later, I was already feeling better. There is some strong medicine out there, but I'm going to tell you, ain't nothing stronger than the joy that Jesus gives. Sorry for saying, sorry for saying, ain't. That's why I like it when Butch preaches every now and then. We get a good ain't out there, Butch. I love it. Good old Arkansas, just backwoods preaching, right? And no joy like Jesus' joy. It's the strongest medicine there is. I love 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It's the shortest verse in the, in the Greek Bible. Uh, we, you know, we have our Bible. It's the English Bible. So, yeah, Jesus wept is the shortest Bible, this, uh, verse, rather, in the English Bible. But in the Greek Bible, which is our New Testament, the shortest verse would be this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. It is the shortest verse with the longest time. Think about it. It's the shortest verse with the longest time. Rejoice always. It's a never-ending, inexpressible joy. I like the way Nehemiah put it, that great leader in the Old Testament He said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Man, I live by that. I live by that. I do. I live by that. I, there is no way in the world I could have pastored the same church for 29 years. There's no way I could be married for, as I have for 32, 33 years, been a dad for 30 years, and kept this kind of a spirit into my nearly 60 years of age without the joy of the Lord. It's impossible. You can't bear the weight of the ministry without this joy. You can't do it. You can't raise kids without this joy. You can't survive without it. It is necessary for us. It's strong. We're not supposed to be happy all the time. I'm not a freak show. I get down. I get discouraged. 
Preacher, do you ever get down? Yes. I'm a little bit down this morning because of that stupid hurricane down there. I'm not happy about that. I'm not like, Dad, hey, tell me how, how it was. I hope you have a good time. Stand in the middle of it, Dad. See what happens. I'm worried. I'm going to call him right after. If the, if the phones are still up, he'll answer. I'm, I'm a little concerned. Man, I, 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 sometimes my happiness is affected by my circumstances. But there's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy depends upon what happens. Or rather, excuse me, hap- uh, happiness depends upon what happens. I'm sorry. But joy depends upon the Lord. You see, happiness deals with surface needs, but joy, it deals with your deepest needs. Joy, you can go ahead and go to that if you're up there still. Here you go. Yeah, okay. Joy deals with your character. It's not cosmetic. It's your character. It's the nature of Jesus Christ in you. It's, just, it, it, it's always there. And then thirdly, true joy is sufficient in its supply. I, I love this. And again, John 15, 11, the, I think the most uh, profound, prolific verse in all the Bible about joy. John 15, 11. Look at it. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I love that, full. Cups running over. Look, look at this, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 on the screen. It says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not uh, now see him, you believe in him. And, get this, and, all capitals, want you to get it, rejoice with joy. The KJV says unspeakable. The old hymn says joy unspeakable. But here we have joy inexpressible and filled with glory. Amen. And then let's read together Psalm 16 and verse number 11. It says, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. Not just joy. Fullness of joy. There's so much joy, it's so sufficient in its supply, it's cups running over kind of joy. You never run out of this joy. It's amazing. And then finally, What's the secret to this joy? How do you get this? Man, preacher, I'm convinced. You've got me convinced. I'm on the edge of my seat. If this really does work, if this good medicine is what I need, how do I get a hold of it? Can I get a doctor to prescribe it? Well, the doctor's name is the great physician. His name is Jesus, and he does have a prescription for it. So let's go first, and I had Ken do this, so Jerry, be on your toes here. Go first back to John 15, 11, before you give me the other two. Go back to John 15, 11, and I want you to see it. Notice it says here, a little slow, but we're going to get there. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So hang on. Jordan read this verse a moment ago, too, right? Here's what I want you to focus on, just for a minute, as we find out what the secret is. What's the secret? How do I get some of this joy? Where do you buy it? Where do you get it? Does it come in a power drink? I mean, is it, is it next to Red Bull at the convenience store? Where's this joy? By the way, I've been drinking a little bit of Red Bull lately. It's pretty good, actually. Anyway, <clears throat> just a plug for Red Bull. These things. I'm going to have a lady come up to me after the service and say, I'm tired of you making jokes in the service. I'm going to tell you what Spurgeon told you. I'm holding back. Anyway, all right. These things. These things. Here we go. These things. What things? Whenever you see these things, 
Go back. Find out what these things are. So let's go back to verse 4. Now let's put verse 4 on the screen. Abide in me. Oh, wait. We're on to something here. These things. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. You ain't getting this joy unless you abide in me. Unless you abide in me, it's, it's not there. It's the, this joy that we're talking about won't happen. Look at verse 5. I'm the vine, Jesus says. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. Very important statement here. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. The secret to joy is abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the secret to it. I just gave you the secret. It's sublime. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It's, it's refreshing. It's so refreshing to know that I've just got to abide in the vine. That's something that sounds really interesting to me. It sounds, it sounds enjoyable. It sounds refreshing. We talked about last week just resting in Jesus and abiding in Christ. And what does it mean to abide in Jesus? It means to rely on Jesus. You've got to rely on him. We're absolutely, totally dependent upon him. In fact, in that verse we read a moment ago, it said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Rely on Jesus. We need to rest in Jesus. Rest in the fact that Jesus loves you. He loves you. Rest in that. I mean, listen, sometimes when the world's hitting me every which way, and I, 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 you know, you've had those days and those weeks and maybe those seasons, right, where it just seems like, you know, I've often said, when I was going through the toughest time of my ministry career, losing, I lost a lot of friends. A lot of folks walked away because of the legalism uh, liberty battle that we fought here at our church. But I tell you, honey, when I walked in the house, you became a big part. You and the kids, Mojo, Zoe, Chloe, and Glow, became a big part of the reason why I kept going. I thought, you know, if the whole world hates me, but my family loves me, I'm good. I'll make it. I'll survive. If I could just, if 621 Third Street, and by the way, I know the whole world didn't hate me, and I was feeling sorry for myself. I get it. You loved me, most of you, I'm sure. But wait, it was tough. Can I tell you something? Jesus loves you. He loves you. And at the end of the day, doesn't that give, that's what all I've said. She, she, she stopped trying to get her joy from me, and she realized I, I just failed miserably. When you look for joy in your spouse to get your strength to live the Christian life, or even to be a, a wife or whatever you're trying to be, if you're looking for the joy in someone else, it's in the wrong place. It can only be found in Jesus. Relinquish everything to Jesus. Rejoice because of Jesus. Because as the branch bears fruit from abiding in the vine, we bear fruit by abiding in Jesus. Are you with me? Same way. Now, what does this fruit produce? What, what does this vine produce or this branch produce? When this branch abides in the vine, it produces Galatians 5.22 fruit. Here's what the Scripture says. It says in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy. Joy. <laughs> Wonderful Joy. When I am abiding in the vine, some of the fruit that I bear results in the joy of the Lord. Now, in closing, can I talk to you just for a moment? Let's get practical, real practical. Can I talk to you about the attributes of a healthy heart? The attributes, rather, the attributes of a healed heart. Let's talk about, man, my heart is now going to be healed. I, I, I've seen this in my wife, Carol Ann. 
she is experienced a healing, physically and spiritually. She is, she is so much healthier now than she's ever been in her whole life, even without a colon. It's, kinda, it's got its advantages. She can't eat a whole lot, so when we go to restaurants, it's like super cheap. There's always leftovers. I took her on a date last night, and, you know, I'm like, man, this is awesome. I mean, she's like pushing the plate over to me. It's like half full. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, man. No colon means more food for me, you know. Not much place for it to go. Might as well keep having fun since we started having fun. We might as well just keep having it. I'm sure I've crossed the line of too much fun in church. I know I have. What are the attributes of a healthy heart? What are the attributes of a happy heart? What are the attributes of a healed heart? Number one, it will be seen. You'll see it. You'll see it. Look at Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 13. A glad heart makes a cheerful face. That's what a glad heart does. It makes a cheerful face. It will be seen. If you ever came under the influence of my pastor, Dr. Glenn Riggs, he led me to Christ on September the 1st, 1978. I remember when I got saved, shortly after that, I came under his, you know, like Brother Don Schulteis back here, one of my best buds now. I call his little statements he's got, I call them Donisms. If you've ever met Don, you will start understanding he's got Donisms. By the way, Don, I love them. I love them. Well, my pastor, Glenn Riggs, had Glennisms. One of them was this. If you walked up to him and you had this sourpuss face, he said, are you saved? And of course, yeah. Tell your face. Your face needs to know that you're saved because <laughs> I can't tell it. I used to love that. I started using it. And listen, if you're saved, tell your people are looking for genuine joy. It takes 72 muscles to frown and 12 to smile. You're wearing yourself out. It's a lot easier just to smile. People are looking for this genuine joy. I went to get my old change at Campbell, Campbell Chrysler in Benton. So it's about a 35, 40-minute drive. I went last week, first time to get my old chains, pull in there. Nice little, you know, bay and got in, got out and gave my keys to the fellow behind the counter. I could tell he was a little frazzled, wasn't sure why, but that's okay. You know, I don't know. I, did, I didn't ask him. I just said, here's my keys and here's my truck. And he said, well, Mr. Casey, we'll get you taken care of. And so I went inside and waited. I waited like an hour and a half. I thought, well, it's been an hour and a half. You know, I, I, maybe it takes a long time to change oil. I don't know. So I went out and I said, hey, sir, I said, just checking, just checking about the truck. It's been an hour and a half. Just curious. And he said, uh, oh, my goodness, we forgot. I, I, let me, I am so sorry. We are shorthanded. It's been a rough day. Uh, just, if you could wait, I'm, I'm sorry. And he was just frazzled. I could tell. He goes back, and, and, you know, I go back in the lobby. I brought my computer. I was having a good time. Man, I had phone calls I was making. You know, I, you know these days you can make an office anywhere, right? So I'm just in there have, having a good time. And uh, it, really, I was. And uh, an hour passed, another hour. I, I mean, two and a half hours now. I go back in there. Hey. I did it through the window first because I said, he's a, he's a, he comes around. He says, oh, I'm so sorry. It's not done yet. He goes, I, I, th- I think they just started, but I'm not sure. I said, it's okay. It's all good. I was just checking. I said, I'm fine. About it. I'm in here. Just come get me what it's done. So I went back in there, you know, and sure enough, about an hour later, he came in. He said, Mr. Capace, uh, man, I'm so sorry. Your, your truck is done, though. I said, oh, it's okay. That's good. That man, glad, glad it all worked out. So I came in. He said, no, it was your first experience. I promise it's not always like that. I said, that's fine. Look, I get it. I'm fine. I'm good. He goes, well, I just want you to know. He goes, and he leans over and he whispers. I kind of thought this was strange, and you see why. He goes, just get out of here. Take the go. I got my wallet. I said, get out of here. Go. He goes, you've been so nice and kind. I just wish every customer had your joy. You're just amazing. Get out of here. Go. I'm like, I'm <laughs> Man, I, I thought I was stealing something, man. 
quit getting the drunk, I'll pull off. You know? Charge me anything, man. I get down the road on Interstate 30, about 10 minutes, the phone rings. Campbell Chrysler. Hello, Mr. Capese. Your truck is ready to be picked up. We're ready for payment. I'm like, uh, uh, he didn't tell the guy at the finance office that he gave it to. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I, uh, I, but I, I honestly, I was like really nice. And the guy gave me a free old He goes, oh, okay. No, no problem. Thank you for your business. I hung up. I thought, praise the Lord. Man, a cheerful heart, when it is seen, it pays off. It makes a difference. Oh, I love to be around folks that just love to smile. Joy is caught as well as taught. Smiles are contagious. When someone comes to gospel light, they should feel the joy when they come into the building. And if you have joy in your heart, it can help but to show up on your face. A cheerful, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. Number two, it will be shared. Proverbs 15, 15 says the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. You know, I like a continual feast when the food just keeps coming, when the blessings just keep coming. Man, sometimes I just get blessed Thomas so much to where I'm like, what am I doing with all this? This is crazy. I feel that way about salvation. It's like I got saved. Okay, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. Pretty good. But then Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. This Christian life thing is like amazing. So I'm like enjoying the Christian life. I'm I'm having a good time. I'm like, man, I got got to share this. I got to share some of the blessings. Sometimes it's a financial blessing. And I get to share it. Buy somebody a coffee. Buy somebody a meal. And I love that. I love just saying, I got this. I got this. Put your wallet back. I love that. I mean, if I'm on a continual feast, God's given me enough to pay for mine, and I got enough to pay for theirs. Why not do it? It's fun. The other day, I, I was at a little food truck thing, and, and they, I bought something, and I could tell the tip jar was massively low, struggling on the tips that day. And I looked in there, and they were, they'd served me, and I said, man, that, there's a dollar in there. And she said, well, you know, it's been a little slow today. I said, man, I just feel, and I, I put me a 20 in there. She had a heart attack. She went, oh, 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 thank you, thank you. I'm like, no problem. I just figured I'd, I'd make your day. It looks like I did. She goes, oh, you did. She goes, it's been so slow. She goes, my hourly wage just went from 11 to 15, you know. I said, praise the Lord. You know, just share it. Sometimes it's finances. Sometimes it's kindness. Sometimes it's, it, it could be materialism. Sometimes I could, it could be time. Share the blessings of God. The joy of the Lord is worth sharing with others. If you have a feast, you ought to share it. We're about to introduce the Christmas shoebox program. It's the Franklin Graham Samaritan's Purse way of spreading cheer throughout the whole world. It's giving boxes to countries. 200 and something countries get these boxes. So in just a few months, like two months, we're going to, I'm meeting with her, I think, this week, and we're going to have, you know, whatever, 100, 200 boxes up here, and we'll have some sort of a call to say, come get a box. Hey, just don't forget how good God's been to you, and grab a box, if no other reason, just to share the joy. Just share the joy. God's been good, and guess what? I'm going to share it with somebody in Cambodia, or Africa, or South Africa, or wherever else. Share the blessings of of God. Share the gospel with joy. Amen? Share the gospel with joy. Man, I'm surprised anybody gets saved when we hang up a sign, turn or burn. I'm like, that's exciting. Yeah, I think I'll, I'm interested in that, you know. 
you know, you're going to split hell wide open. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Now, look, I personally feel like even if you like the term hellfire and brimstone, which I have no problem with, I think we need hellfire and brimstone preaching. But I guarantee you that does not include hate, insensitivity. That, that just includes the fact that when people die without Christ, they go to hell. We understand that. But the grace of God can be preached with love and compassion. And we can, we can actually, I feel like many folks that are feared into trusting Christ never truly understand the grace of God and aren't saved. I may be wrong about that. And then finally, it will be sensed. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. It'll be sensed. I had somebody the other day call my cell phone. I have a message. I always leave. Like, I like, like happy cell phone messages. Like, hello, you've reached the phone of Erica Pacey. Please leave your name and number, and I'll be sure to call you back. I like that. Like, sometimes when I call somebody, and it's like, a, hello, this is Darian Sims. Um, if you could... <laughs> Leave a message, I'll call you back. I'm like, I ain't calling that dude back. No, Darian's not like that. I just knew I could pick on you. <laughs> you forgive me? Stand up, show him the shirt. <laughs> forgive. He has no choice but today. Treat him bad. If you want to just go up to, Jer- to, to, to Darian to push him, he's got to forgive you today. I mean, he'll probably never wear the shirt again. Have you ever talked to Paula Connor? It's the greatest thing. Paula can tell you she's got a flat tire with a smile on. You know, I got a flat tire today. I mean, it's just one of those things. Paula Connor, you can sense the joy of the Lord when you get around her. Uh, Jeremy, you're the same way. Jeremy, he'll, he'll walk at a staff meeting. Jeremy, you're spreading so much joy when you walk in there. Do it again tomorrow just because I'm preaching this. Don't stop, please. He's giving waters to everybody, getting make sure everybody's got a napkin. And I'm saying that only to say, I, I just... I just feel like sometimes it's noteworthy to say it makes a difference when you have joy because it's sensed. It takes over. It begins to spread and permeate through your home. Your children need to see the joy of the Lord in your home. Your grandchildren need to sense the joy of the Lord in your life. The joy. It's it's inexpressible. You know, Steve Green wrote a song. He's one of like the pioneers of contemporary Christian music. The name of the song was, That's Where the Joy Comes From. Your life and mine are empty vessels waiting to be filled. God is pouring out a joy unmeasured on those who obey his will. He is the giver, we're the receiver, so what you see in me, it's only a gift from the spirit of life who fills my heart constantly. And I love this. Thieves may try to rob my treasures, but they don't hold the key that leads into the sanctuary where God's spirit lives in me. It's the spirit of God in me that gives me joy. I Listen, the old thief tries to rob my joy every day. And sometimes he gets away with it. I'm so sad to have to tell you that. Sometimes he comes in and steals my joy. Something happens. I don't react right. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not recognizing the presence of Christ in my life. And so I, I tend to, honey, you, you know, we're not perfect. And even though Caroline shared a victorious testimony, we still struggle sometimes. Because the thief will try to rob your vessels. But let me tell you something. He doesn't hold the key that leads into the sanctuary where God's spirit lives in you. 
You rebuke the devil, and you just say, God's in control. I'm not going to let Satan get the victory in my life. I'm not going to let anxiety weigh me down. I'm not going to let it break my spirit. I'm not going to let it bury my body. I'm going to rejoice. I'm not happy about this, but I trust God. I trust God. And where does the joy come from? It comes from Jesus. Truth is, if you've never been saved, you probably have never experienced this joy. I believe people should be asking of us, what is the reason for the joy that is in you? What is the reason for the hope that is in you? My answer is this. Jesus. He's the reason. He's the reason why my wife and I can rejoice after all that we've been through. He's the reason why my dad can say, you know, worst thing that could happen to me as I die and go to heaven, it's all, it's all good, son. Don't worry about us. I'll keep you posted. It's Jesus. If you've never been saved, I encourage you today to trust Jesus. And I'll be up front along with Jeremy and maybe another elder or two, Butch, and we'll just be here if you want somebody to pray with you, talk with you about anything. Even after the service, we'll be here. If you have received Jesus, if you are a Christian, then I would encourage you today to remember that the provider of joy is Jesus. And if you have never, if you're not taking God's miracle medicine, it's because you're not abiding in Jesus. You've trusted him for salvation, but you're not trusting him to carry the load. So trust him, abide in him, rest in him. Put your branch in the vine and watch the Spirit of God begin to blossom joy, real joy, wonderful joy in your life. Let's all stand, shall we, as the Lord speaks to us in worship.